up, everybody? It's your girl, Tiffany, hosting another peer review episode of the RXP podcast. Today, I am joined by my co-host, Matt. What's going on? And we are here to dish and gush and discuss Eternals. I like that. Now, Dish, gush, and discuss. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> We, it's just the two of us today. Um, Alex has chosen to wait to see Eternals until it hits the good old Disney Plus. He didn't think, he didn't understand the hype. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to wait. And unfortunately, he's going to edit this pod also. So we'll see what happens with it. And he's going to get spoilers <laughs> the entire way because he edits Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, you know what? This is another spoiler-filled review of Eternals because Matt and I are need to be unleashed. Okay? We saw a very late showing of Eternals. We saw a 9 p.m. showing. We got out of that theater at like 12.30. Yeah. We were delirious. Mm-hmm. In and out of the theater. So now we finally get to collaborate and discuss, and I'm so excited to hear more. Matt, Tell me your thoughts. What did you love? Because we're all about positivity here today. It's true. It's true. What did you love about Eternals? Listen, I think, you know, going into Eternals, one, fantastic to be in the theater. And this was actually the first theater experience that has felt like a pre-COVID theater experience. I pulled up into the parking lot and I was like, this place is packed. Like, this place it's is poppin'. packed. Yeah. Um, so a bunch of us and our friends went and, you know, you see this star-studded cast and you almost wonder, yep. like, are they going to be able to shine? Are they going to be able to ri- be, like, these fun characters or interesting characters? And I actually thought that, for the most part, this star-studded cast was fantastic. Like, everything from... Camille Nanjiani to, um, why did I just forget Thena's name? Oh my gosh, Angelina, Angelina Jolie. Jolie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like she's like the most <laughs> famous actress in it. Um, yeah. Even even the guy that was in Train to Busan, the Korean actor, I Don remember. Lee. Yeah, I cannot can never remember his name, but like this is top to finish was fantastic cast, um, and I thought that this was a a really interesting part of the mcu i feel like this was the one movie that i didn't actually feel was anywhere near any other movie it's hard to describe it because i came in almost thinking this was going to be like a guardians of the galaxy tying into Mm -hmm. a much greater story i think this will eventually tie into a greater story but for me i felt like this was the most separated mcu and and then and i mean that like in a good way but it could be potentially in a bad way too once we you know start going through the positives and negatives but ultimately i had a good time i i, I enjoyed it overall i agree with you i thought the cast was great i really really dug the relationships between everybody i thought that we got a decent amount of screen time for almost everyone mm mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was kind of nice. I mean, obviously, some characters got a little bit more growth than others. The star-studded cast was great, and their chemistry was pretty good. Some people had better chemistry than others. That's very true. But I'm gonna say I'm gonna say positive right now. Um, I loved the time jumps okay. between present day and past history, and every time we jumped back into the past, we were a little bit 
more towards the future, if that makes sense. You know, mm-hmm. we started like 5000 BC, then 500 BC, then, you know, 200 AD, you know, 1500 or whatever. You know, I'm just making the, these numbers up. Right, I don't right. remember. I've only seen the movie once. I can't wait to see it again. I don't know if I'll see it again in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really liked the use of time in this. So which for me, I thought the pacing was pretty good. Like I was I was being like, you know, brought along on this journey and I was here for it. And going back to kind of the relationships, I could I kind of felt like I bought that they were just like a makeshift family. Mm-hmm. And like they were like together in it, living together in various points, and like I felt, I felt it. Mm-hmm. Um, something that really shined for me were the interpersonal relationships with each of the characters as you kind of progress through the story. You know, like how some kind of people kind of paired off and stuff, yeah. and got a little bit more interactions. Like I really liked how Cersei and Sprite were kind of like together mm-hmm. in the beginning. And then you kind of saw that dynamic. Later, you know, getting Sprite and Kingo having their moment together, you know, like on the plane. Um, also, shout out to maybe my favorite character, Karan, Karun, Kingo's valet. Excellent. In the movie. So good. That character was a delight. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Like he, him and Kingo together were the levity that they needed in Eternals because Mm -hmm. it did not feel like an MCU movie until they met Kingo. Honestly, like they did not have the normal banter, the like jokingness, like it just wasn't flowing like an MCU movie and having that valet be just like the star of the show, even to when he left. And like, I felt like, and some emotion when he left and he said like thank you for what you've done for humanity i like thought that that was well earned like over the entire film he's one of the only characters and you know this might be seeding into kind of my overall thoughts um two and a half hours almost didn't seem like enough for these characters i think they did as good as they could have like i would Mm -hmm. say this is a positive in two and a half hours i think they were able to successfully show these relationships and show the inner workings of this team with some backstory. But honestly, I think they needed more time. Like, I just don't think that there was enough time to to make everyone shine as they, as they should have. I think the people that did shine, like Cersei, I think was really great and like well put in. Fastos was great. Um, and yeah. like showing, I think the the reason for that was actually showing his relationship um, with his husband and his son. Like, oh my god, precious! Like that showed Jack. there was a reason for him to fight for humanity. Um, mm-hmm. And almost like I don't know if I saw that for anyone else. Like even Cersei, who said that she was all about humanity. Like besides the flashbacks showing her like in Babylonian time or whatever time it was, mm-hmm. right. Um, I didn't really see that for many other of these Eternals. Um, honestly, and this might be a really hot take from the very beginning. Like, we're only like eight minutes in, and I'm about to do a real hot take. I think that this movie would have been better as a Disney Plus show. I think okay. changing this two and a half hours to a 10 to 12 hours season 
to where you could really delve into the backstory, the past, and then actually develop some sort of antagonist that was meaningful. Like, I think that my problem, because the more I... And the more I thought about this, I came out of the theater. There were five of us watching it together. All four of you were like high on this movie from the very beginning. Like you guys were talking great about it. I think you said something like this might, I don't know if this is like my top five, but like it's up there. And I was like, top five, what are you talking about? (laughs) It's Um, not in my top five. It's not, it's not. But you were, you were pointing in a very like solid light. I almost was like, this is one of the worst ones at the beginning. The more I thought about the movie, the more I've like realized that actually it did pretty good. Um, and I've, I feel like time away from the movie has made me think of it in a more fond light. But I think a lot of my problems was that they just didn't, at the end of the day, they didn't have time. They didn't have time to show off all these characters the way that I want them to. See... I okay. First of all, like what this is like the literally the twenty sixth MCU yep. movie to have come out, right? So this did not crack my top five. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it cracked my top ten, but there's twenty six MCU movies, yeah. that have come out, and so I think first of all, the fact that I mean before I saw the movie, you know, Rotten Tomatoes had this movie at like a fifty five percent. Like there's no way that this movie is worse than the Hulk. There is no way that this movie is worse than Thor The Dark World. I think this was a very solid movie. I really enjoyed myself throughout it. Yes, there were gripes that I have, right? Like, I'm not coming out of there saying, like, this was the perfect movie. You're right. There could have been more time Mm -hmm. built in to this. You know, my biggest... I think my biggest gripe, honestly, was how quickly Icarus and Cersei just got down and dirty. You know, they're just like, like literally, like we see them on the Domo. The ship is called the Domo, which I love, Mm -hmm. right? And I, I like it because it, it makes it sound like, like languages adopted the Domo, the word Domo, um, for their own languages. Like I think Italians called a, it might be a Duomo, is like church Mm. in Italian. Okay, maybe. Don't quote me. I've I went to Italy a couple years ago, and I swear they use a word similar to that when I went to so many churches in Italy. Okay. okay, anyway, so you know, Icarus is like, my name is Icarus, and Cersei's like, my name is Cersei, and then like 15 minutes later, they're like on Earth, and they're like, you know, hanging out with the humans, trying mm-hmm. to protect them from the deviants, and then like they're like taking a walk, and then Icarus is like, you're beautiful. Or he says, I am beautiful, which I thought was hilarious because he's trying to basically use the human language. <laughs> and then Cersei's like, oh, you're u- learning the human language. And he's like, yeah, you know, I figured I need to if I'm if I want to spend more time with you. And then he looks at her and says, and it he uses the human language and the quotation says, I am beautiful. And then Cersei's just staring at him like, like confused Mm -hmm. and then he's like what did i just say Mm -hmm. and then she's like you said i am beautiful which i thought was actually adorable okay right Mm -hmm. so they're like in a sunset they're having this moment next thing you know they're having sex and i literally was like what's happening yeah like it to me (laughs) it's like (laughs) it's the first real sex scene in the mcu and i'm just like but why 
Like, yes, we can have it, but why? <laughs> <laughs> like, that juxtaposition was just really, it was just, like, so quick. And I'm like, but at the same time, like, okay, I can kind of see that being an important piece because, mm-hmm. like, you know, at the beginning, like this was even was this scene after we met Dane Whitman yeah. and Cersei, or was this before? I think it was after. Yeah. So I understand that that scene was there to tell the audience like Cersei had a relationship, right? Like because we see Dane and Cersei like being adorable together mm-hmm. and like you know in love, kind mm-hmm. of. And then, but the next scene is like, nope, Cersei was had a boy. For 5,000 years or so. Yeah. You know, to give that kind of storytelling piece. But yeah, I thought... But I I, could, I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. Didn't buy like, what? Like, re- oh. the relationship. Well, like, I think it's because I honestly think that the two characters that had the worst chemistry in the entire film was Cersei and Icarus. Like, those two people... Wow. Like, they look like they were in, like, uh, you know, just... I don't know, like some like play class, you know what I mean? Like they're doing, uh, what is it called? Like improv. Like they're Role doing, playing? Im- yeah, no, they're <laughs> it's just like an, two people doing improv class because they're made to do it, you know what I mean? But then when you see, I'm like, oh gosh, like I expected more. Like I really like both of these like actors, actors. and actresses. Like, oh, it's whatever. And then they cut to, um, Kit Kit Harrington and Dane Whitman. Yeah, like he and Cersei have fantastic chemistry where I'm like, all right, well, I, I guess it's Icarus's fault because Cersei definitely <laughs> has the, the chemistry with all with all Jon Snow of past. <laughs> you know nothing, Jon Snow, but man, you got it. You got it, man. <laughs> well, I don't okay, so I guess I okay, I do agree that Cersei had more chemistry with Jon Snow mm-hmm. than Rob Stark. But I don't know that Rob and Cersei had terrible chemistry. I just, I just thought if we had more time to develop their like slow romance, mm-hmm. I could have bought it a little bit more. Exactly. I think we just needed more time because in my mind, yes, you can tell me that they had a relationship for five thousand years, but all you gave me was thirty seconds. <laughs> You know, seconds and a sex scene. And it's, it's the same, yeah. And the sex scene was like weird. Like, it's just, you're on like this rough rock. I'm like, oh, that's got to hurt. Like, I don't know. At least put yeah. a blanket down. Like, I don't know. Um, oh, yeah. She, Cersei can change matter. Why didn't she make yeah, things more comfortable? I don't know. I'm not sure. But it's kind of like the same thing with, with her. She's supposed to be like the lover of humans. Like, she mm-hmm. is, loves humanity. But all we got was, like, a 30 to 40 second montage of her helping out and, like, kneading bread and, like, doing things with these women from the past. And it's like, I think you're telling me a lot of things, but, like, I'm not seeing it. So, in my mind, I'm not buying this relationship she has because I'm not being able to see it. I'm just being told that, oh, yeah, she she loves humans like she just does. Um, I, but if you show me more of her with Kit Harrington's character like uh fantastic do more of that because that was believable and then boom he never comes back in the entire movie like he has like a <laughs> like a facetime video and then like he comes at the end but that's that's about it and i'm like show me more show me more i don't know 
Can I tell you that I also loved that FaceTime video? It was literally just like Dane, the character Dane Whitman, just, you know, finally, because he realizes that Cersei is an Eternal. Yeah. And he's just like, wait, were you King Midas? What else did you do in history? You know, like <laughs> stuff like that. Because I love the historical nods. Yes. Throughout everything. Like, beautiful. So, okay, you didn't, okay, you may not have bought Cersei and Icarus's relationship, though. Mm. What, who were your favorite eternal relationship? Or which eternal relationship was your favorite? I, or top. I really liked two. the relationship between Gilgamesh and Thena. I think that yes. was the best relationship uh, because it's, in my mind, it's really beautiful seeing how Thena was like the greatest warrior of all time. And she almost had like a dementia to where yeah. she like started just attacking her other Eternals. And it, it made me really sad because I feel like mental illness in the form of like dementia or... or or um, Alzheimer's. Alzheimer's, like that is definitely very prevalent in my family. So I've seen that kind of happen in my own life. And it's really sad um, to see on screen, but it's really beautiful to see Gilgamesh, who is this strong warrior, kind of make the rest of his life on earth be her caretaker. And I feel like that bond that they had and, you know, like when they were talking about right before Gilgamesh died, which was probably the best moment of the entire movie honestly him dying for thena was impactful because we were able to see this bond between them that he would do it all over again like he would do it on the next world too and and to me like that made it so beautiful because we they did take the time to talk through that relationship with each other that maybe some of the other ones i think i would have loved makari and druid oh druid i would love to see why they were so connected but we just didn't get the time to see it. You know, like, Kingo had probably the best line where he's like, is this a thing? I hate it. Like, talking about those two, but it's like, <laughs> yeah. that's, honestly, that punchline was the best part of that relationship because we just didn't have the time to see them progress to that point. I I mean, that's fair. For, with Druid and Makari, though, we did see, like, in the the weird, like, Stone Age or what, or not Stone Age, but, like, Castle Age, like, him and her having a conversation, mm-hmm. you know, like, about stealing versus mind control, which I guess that was supposed to be the seed of them, like, maybe having a connection because they're like, we'll promise we won't tell on each other, mm-hmm. right? And then we see them again because King, or um, Druig was just so upset with the state of things that he just, he left the group first. Yeah. Right. So he didn't have a chance to develop with me. And what was interesting to me is that Makari just kept herself separate Isolated, from yeah. the group. Yeah. She was just like doing her own thing. I, you know, to be honest though, I guess she could have hooked up or like not hooked up, but like met up with any of them, any of their eternals. Cause she's so fast. Mm-hmm. So like, who's to say she didn't like pop in every once in a while and hang out. But you know, in the movie we just saw her kind of be solo. And in terms of bringing her up, I loved the showcase of Makari's powers. Yes. I was like, just about to say that. Like her power and I think Thena's power like display are probably my favorite use of the cosmic energy that they had. Mm-hmm. Makari was just fast. Yeah. Just always fast. And I love that. And because I even reflect back onto other speedsters in media and a lot of other, you know, X-Men, for example, with the newest um, version where 
X-Men Apocalypse and X-Men First Class where they like slowed the speedster was shown like half full speed and then half slow-mo versus here Makari's just hundo P super fast and I lo- I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I think the easy way to film is the way that they have shown other speedsters between the Flash mm-hmm. and between um Quicksilver, Quicksilver in the X-Men. I I think seeing this there was never a slow-mo it was never she is just a defense she's just like making sure these citizens are out of the way no she was like Mm -hmm. kicking icarus's butt all the way across that beach like having Mm -hmm. all these sonic booms where she would just stop at once which would cause this ripple effect to make icarus go into a mountain like that to me was like very beautiful like that was showing just creativity to it all and Honestly, I really liked all the powers. I think some aren't as great as others, but like I think that Makari just showed that combat as being fantastic. I think the combat in general was the highlight of this film. Movie. Yeah, like Shang-Chi had great combat, and just in the same way, this had great combat. I think both of them, this Phase 4, I think Phase 4 is off to a great start because both of them are showing combat that's just like, it's almost like a dance. It's very choreographed, and like I enjoyed every fight scene. There are few and far between, um, and you know the enemies we could probably get into later, but I thought all of these showcased their powers in just like an interesting way. Very, very interesting. Yeah, and I really liked... Um the like kind of circling back to your um your discussion about Thena and Gilgamesh I too really really love that relationship mm-hmm. and I really loved like w- one of the notes being that Gilgamesh kind of very much turned into a homemaker because mm-hmm. like when we first meet up with him he's freaking making a pie yeah like he's making a pie right and then I loved at the very end when you basically saw Thena not understanding how to use a toaster like yeah. you know because because Gilgamesh did everything like it was like it was really it was really sweet like it was really sad and sweet at the same time mm-hmm. and then also you know kind of like thinking about it I loved how they each had kind of names for each other too because like I was just thinking about like Kingo would call Gilgamesh Gil hmm. and like you know they just had little nicknames yeah. for each other it, like, showed they had that relationship for, like, 7,000 years. Yeah, and, you know, Kingo is calling Icarus boss, mm-hmm. you know, the entire, you know, couple, that was really adorable. And then just all of them referring to each other as college college friends mm-hmm. was hilarious to me. Yeah. My friends from college. You know, not friends from work, my friends from college. Yeah. <laughs> so I thought that was really, like, basically their relationship really sold the movie to me. Mm-hmm. Like, all of all of them, all of them, as a big old family. I loved it. So are we ready for now, the things, things we, didn't we didn't like? like? Yeah. Okay. You sound very I mean, disappointed, we kinda, but... <laughs> well, we hinted we hinted it. I mean, you know, when I griped about the relationship mm-hmm. between Icarus and Cersei. But, I mean, there's more that we didn't care for. So go, you go first. I think, you know, you talked a little bit about pace. I think that the first half, like the slow burn, was nice. I enjoyed it. But it sped up towards the end, and I feel like it was way too fast. Like, I I felt like the last third, I was like, what is happening? Like, everything was kind of happening all at once. I enjoyed the Icarus betrayal. I I thought that was a turning point and made it interesting. Honestly, Icarus to me was a 
was probably the worst part of the movie for me. I I think that oh. was I think that was by design. You know, he didn't really have any sort of personality. I and I think that's why he didn't have as great chemistry. I think it was on purpose because I do think he's a great actor. But I think he didn't have a lot of chemistry because he's almost like a robotic individual that's like loyalty above all else to this mission that he's known about for years. And like the reason why he like left Cersei was because he didn't want to lie to her. But like this almost robotic character, um, I bought it in a way, but I think that he just was a very lackluster antagonist. I, I, I think that they were building up the true enemy being the deviants and like that alpha deviant that was like sucking everyone's soul and power. I was thinking he was going to be a whole lot bigger deal than some sideshow fight in a cave at the very end. And for Icarus to be the main antagonist for him to just kind of like, all right, I can't kill you. And then fly into the sun. I'm like, what, what is this? Like to me, they worked up the first half. I was like, this is fantastic. What, what could possibly go wrong for this to get the reviews they did at the very beginning? Um, and I kind of see why at the end, because it, it just did not land the landing. I thought that Icarus's plan was meh. And I think that the kind of like catastrophic nature of the ending with the hand coming out was fantastic. But it just seemed like very rushed and put together like put together very like loosely to where it didn't make me feel satisfied about it and honestly like i think it would a, a really good antagonist it's what makes movies like most marvel movies are between a seven and eight in my mind like a good to great those amazing movies like black panther um even like shang chi was fantastic like they all have a really believable antagonist and i just don't think that they had that in my mind i think my biggest beef with icarus is like the ending that he got like i didn't like i i understand him being like a loyal soldier and him being burdened with knowledge of like you know the the birth of a celestial but him flying into the sun just was so strange like i mean i reflect on um a version where he you know can't imagine a world where he's failed and that's why he killed himself but at the same time like he loves Cersei so much mm-hmm. like did he also not forgive himself now that because I'm like couldn't you have now like just lived a life with Cersei or did he think that their minds were going to get erased anyway Mm -hmm. like i just i don't know i didn't i just didn't like icarus dying i wanted him to kind of have to answer for his actions Mm -hmm. and then kind of make up for it atone for it in some way i don't know but i just thought it was it was pretty strange him that was strange dying to the sun too is like really you're gonna name this character icarus and then he's gonna die in the sun like well, I mean, you know, they did talk about how Sprite was like making fun or like made up that story about, Ic- uh, you know, Icarus flying too close to the sun, yada, yada. Like, I feel like it could I, have been so much better if he like made Cersei do something to it. Like, 
you know, like giving himself up to Cersei and then her like make him into a tree. Like anything could have been so much better and like made this meaningful where it's like the only way that you can kill the hive mind is through me or some, you know, whatever, not hive mind, whatever it's called. Um, the unimind. Yeah, the only way or you the can brainstorm. use unimind <laughs> is like by me dying or whatever and like gone that route. It, it just didn't seem meaningful and it seemed almost like he could have killed Cersei because he really could have. He could have killed Cersei, and he chose not to. So they won almost by default. Like, I, did you you watch Naruto, right? Yeah. So, like, when Naruto, um, after the Chunin exams, um, Gara saves Shikamaru. Is it Shikamaru? No, Gara saves Rock Lee from fighting that uh, sound ninja with the bones, like appendages and everything. And the only reason Gara didn't die from that bone ninja was because that bone ninja like died of natural causes during the fight. Like he like his heart gave out or something, but like Garo was like an inch away from death. And like, so I, in that mind, I was like, ah, man, like Gara, like he almost didn't earn that win because this dude had like a huge handicap on his side. And that's the exact same feeling I had for this was that like the only reason that they won in earth didn't die was because he chose not to like that was the only time i saw like he actually did love cersei um which is a testament to their relationship but in my mind it made the victory a little cheap i just i i mean i agree that this ending was a point of contention Mm -hmm. so like i don't know i i don't even know what it could have been i just didn't like that part i just icarus's part just really i didn't like but, like, um, I feel like the last third was the one that was just so rushed together. I almost wish that they would have scrapped that and thought again, like, what else could we do with this? Because, I don't know. I feel like if you change that last third, this could have changed. For me, like, I'm thinking, like, this is almost like a six and a half to seven and a half range, right? In my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could have been elevated easily to an eight to nine if they had just changed that ending and like made it more meaningful and then also in that same mind the very end when he just sucks the the eternals up to him one celestials are scary like (laughs) i gasped i gas i gasped a lot in this movie you did but like i (laughs) i was two seats away from you you did (laughs) (laughs) i gasped a lot but when Arishem shows up in the freaking sky, yeah, and the ominous like boom, like I was like, oh my gosh! He just clears the clouds, and you yeah. see his face. Like that to me was a fantastic shot. But also, I'm like, where'd they go? Like they just went to some black hole. You know, I'm not gonna lie. I also didn't register that he took them with him oh okay like like i when arishem was holding them in his hand i like it didn't register with me that they all disappeared like i was just like i was i don't know i thought he like put them back and then like he let i don't i didn't realize Mm -hmm. but it you know it was cemented once we saw the like scene with um thena makari and druig like saying like wait why aren't they answering Mm -hmm. kind of thing so um, I, I also kind of didn't like what happened with Sprite. Okay. Like when she like betrayed, you know, Cersei and then at the end Cersei's like, 
I can, I still have some energy left. I can turn you human. I'm like, mm-hmm. why does she deserve that? Yeah. She literally stabbed you. You were literally stabbed in the back. Yeah. With a knife. How are you even still alive, Cersei? Also, couldn't she, in my mind, this is the first thing that came to mind when she said that, was her problem is that she is a child. Could you <laughs> use that energy and make her like 18 or something? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Let's think about this. Oh, do you want to become human so you'll die in like 60 years? Or, hmm, let's just change your look to 21. Like, I feel like if you yeah. have the power to make someone yeah. human, you have the power to like age them by six years. I... Come on, Cersei. Use that you unimind. That that's a great point. That's a great I didn't even think about that part. Like that could have been that should have been an option for her. It should have been. And also, was Sprite included in Arishem's like No. It was only the three of them. Which it means like I'm guessing it's just because Sprite isn't internal anymore. Like she's a human. Okay. And when you said the three yeah, okay, it was fa- uh, yeah. The three of them. I remember. Fastus, Kingo, and Cersei. Kingo and Cersei. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, like, overall, I liked the movie. Uh But I, you know what? I'm going to be real. Everyone I've talked to, I've literally said, I really like the movie. I've never used the word love. Yeah. I love, you know what I mean? I loved Shang-Chi. I love Shang-Chi too. I love Shang-Chi. Yeah. I, I have not uttered the phrase I loved Eternals, but mm-hmm. I really liked it. You know? Yeah. I, I mean... Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going to say, you know, it opens up with... Okay, so, you know, moving... Looking to the future, right? We have our group kind of split up. We also only have some of our group because we lost a few along the way. I'm pretty happy with who's left. I'm really bummed about Gilgamesh, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm actually kind of happy that Thena survived. Okay, side note. Do you think she's cured of her mad weary? Because here's my, here's my speculation. Okay. When the deviant was sucking part of her, I think he took the part that she was glitching out. Like, I think Thena's cured. Interesting. Like, I think the guy took some of her cosmic energy, but took the energy that, like, her, maybe her older memories or whatever that, like, made her glitch out. That'd be nice. I don't know if that's the case. Like, I think that she is, like, all these Eternals, we find out that they're just shell of people. That they just, like, they download their memories and then upload, like, just a new save file. And then they go about their business. But I think that Thena or at least my interpretation was that her shell is just corrupted. And like, for whatever reason, it's just corrupted to where... Like I, a failed hard drive? Yeah, exactly. Or it's been used so many times yeah. that it's just like... It basically reminds me of the hard drives we have at work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I think that, unfortunately, I think that's not going to be the last time that she has problems, which stinks because her combat is one of the most fluid and interesting combat styles. And she like keeps having these issues during combat. And I'm like, ah, man, she's like the best person to watch. Like between her and Makari, Mm -hmm. like fantastic. Um, Mm -hmm. So I hope, I hope you're right. I hope your theory's right. Um, But yeah, I, I enjoy the three that are left and it'll be interesting. The three that are taken with Arishem, like, I don't know where they're going to go. Like, are they going to run yeah. into someone else? Like, I don't know. 
I okay, and also, what are your thoughts of Kingo straight up not being in that last? Battle? I, th- I actually, I didn't like it because I really like Camille Nanjiani's character. But mm-hmm. looking back, I, it was like one of those in the moment. I did not like it. Afterwards, thinking more about it, I think it was an interesting take. Like because I, who am a huge fan of movies, watch a lot of movies like all the time, right? (laughs) My mind was made up that when he left, he would actually be there. Like they were like pinned down to the ground and he would like shoot, you know, a deviant off their back or something. You know what I mean? Like he would come in as kind of like that second wind, that Helm's Deep moment where like Gandalf comes in to save the day, right? It didn't happen. And I'm kind of happy they didn't because that would have been like a classic Hollywood trope that we've seen a thousand times. That This way, we're able to see that, you know what? He didn't agree with them about trying to get rid of um, the Celestial from, from coming about. Like he believed in the same way Icarus did, but he didn't believe so strongly that he would kill his friends. And like to me, yeah, I respect that because it's like, you know, you can have these beliefs but you don't have to like go to violence for them. And I feel like he said that and walked away and he's like, you know what? I don't agree with you guys, but I'm not going to fight you guys. And to me, that showed a lot about Kingo as a character. Um, it also was just kind of sad though, because he's like going with his valet and he's basically telling his valet, he's like, yeah, like I'd sacrifice you guys, you know, for the greater good. <laughs> <laughs> and his like valet is like, thank you, sir. You know, like just like, <laughs> oh my God. He's like fantastic. But um, so in my mind, I think it was good overall that he didn't show up. Yeah, I I just like when I think more about it, I appreciated a different viewpoint, mm-hmm. like a different like it's not like, you know, side A fighting fi- side B like he was a side C. So like I appreciated that. And to be honest, when it was the movie was happening, I completely forgot about him. Mm hmm. Like, I didn't even expect him to pop out of nowhere. I just was like, oh, my gosh, so much is happening. Makari's finally got screen time. Like, Drew, oh, my God, is Druid gone? Like, you know, I'm just, like, watching everything happening and, and all that. I am really excited to see how they interact with other people, like, in the future, like, future characters. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really interesting to me. Like, are any of them going to show up in the Marvels? Probably not, but it's in space. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like space is a frontier that has so many opportunities now. Mm-hmm. I think it's good for the MCU to have them split up a little bit in these, like, groups of three. Because I do think the Eternals together, they barely had enough time to really develop themselves. But mm-hmm. introducing three of them at a time, say, like, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 happens... We already know that Adam Orlock is going to be in that movie. So he has like a lot of these same, like similar timelines as the Eternals. Um, like the three that are in space to just like run into them would be more meaningful than like, oh, here we are in our Duomo. Like all eight of us, like we are going to just flood the screen with personality. Um, so I think it's for the best. I'm honestly unsure how i feel about like an eternals 2 like i i don't know where this leaves us there 
I am more interested in Kit Harrington's character because I think that was the most underutilized character in the entire um, movie because he plays Black Knight, which they had like Excalibur like shown off. I was like, this is it. He's going to like have some like sword fighting on Earth like during like all this chaos. We never, you know, he showed up with a scarf at the end, like looking dapper as always, but like he wasn't the Black Knight. He was just Dane. Um, and then his like post credit scene, which like you were speculating at the movie theater that was Blade, but I saw some reports that uh, the director actually confirmed that it was Blade, um, which is fantastic. Okay. So like that makes me think, are they going to try to do like, almost like a Midnight Suns reboot, like, which has had Blade, like, we have that video game that's coming out, which has Blade in it, um, like, I know that, um, uh, the Moon Knight, um, that's coming out, which I could see Blade being in, I've heard a lot of thoughts that he's gonna be in Moon Knight, um, so could Kit Harrington be there too? Like I think Kit Harrington needs some time to shine. So I'm more interested in that storyline than any of the Eternal storylines, and I think that says a lot about the film. Because I feel wow, like, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, I, I just I, I'm interested in seeing something new from this, um, and I don't know if the Eternals are all going to be together. Like I I just don't know where this leads us. Like what do you do against a celestial that makes suns? Like, how do you kill that? <laughs> but also, like, nowhere in Guardians of the Galaxy, isn't that a severed head of a celestial? Yes. So they're not completely, like, powerful. Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe this will be something interesting down the line. I just, I am just utterly confused with the utilization of Kit Harrington character, like Dane Whitman. Like, I didn't really understand his introduction or point. You know, like, it was, I I feel like the movie could have not had him and it would have been the same. Yeah. You know, it, could, it would have just been Cersei living her own life at that point. Like, I don't know. Like, was it to show us that Cersei moved on? I don't really. Is it a character that to be intimate enough to, like, ask crazy questions? Mm-hmm. You know, like, kind of like Ned asking Spidey, you know, Spidey boy, like, can you, do you spit venom? Do you crawl on the walls? Do you, Mm -hmm. can you, do you lay eggs? Like, you know, like that, like, was the whole point of his character just to be that? Because I don't know that we needed that. I don't know if if you take him away. I don't know if you see her as that lover of humanity as much as they proclaim her to be. Like, I feel like her connection with humanity and fastest, like, uh, humanity take are so much greater because they actually have life in and relationships. Yeah. So with, I don't know. I, I think without it, it would have been a detriment to Cersei's character. Honestly, I don't know if it had to be Dane Whitman though. I think it could have easily been anyone else. I also Some random. I don't schmuck. know anything about the Eternals comic book line. So yeah, me like, either. I don't know if that actually happens in the comic book. Maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking forward to the future. I agree that I don't know that they'll necessarily have an Eternals 2. Um, but I'd, I'd welcome another crack at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but so like at the end of the day, Matt, do you recommend watching Eternals? See, that's an interesting question. Because I've already said, like, this is a good 
film, I feel like where it ranks for me is in the lower half of MCU movies. So somewhere between 14 and 26. I don't think it's 26. I don't think it's the worst movie in the MCU. But it wouldn't surprise me if it's like near those like later Iron Man, like Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, which are pretty low in my book. That being said, I still recommend all MCU films because I I feel like for this, I recommend it not for this movie alone, but for the implications that I know will be there. Like MCU we may not see how important this movie is until like five years from now, like phase five. We may not know what like foundation framework that this movie set for us. I would say, I think that Alex has a good thought on it. I don't recommend to go see it in the movies. Like if you, if you don't have a, if you don't have a chance, I, Hey, do you, you know, Watch it on Disney Plus. Like I don't think this. There's nothing about this that says you need to watch this right away. Like there is nothing so, I guess, special about this movie that you have to see it as soon as it comes out. I would say very different things about Shang Chi because I feel like Shang Chi was something special. Like I wanted everyone to experience that as soon as possible. Eternals, it was good. It was a good movie. You should definitely watch it to continue the storyline. But it's nothing to like rush to the theaters to see. I do think the grand grandiose plan of it all and like how great this epic was, like does benefit from being on a big screen with a lot of great sound effects in the theater. So like if you're after that, go for it. But for me, um, this is a a lower tier for me, just personally, that says, hey, check it out on Disney Plus. Wow, that's wild to me. I mean, because honestly, I feel like for the Celestials alone, I thought seeing it in theater was beautiful. Like this, like the way they did Celestials was so amazing to me that I could understand how they could do Galactus if Galactus Mm -hmm. ever showed up in the MCU. Like the, the like CG artistry in that was amazing. I recommend this movie. I think it's a solid movie. I think it has a brand new set of characters that people will fall in love with. I think it's worth the watch. I I kind of am leaning towards the theater, mainly, like I said, because of the visuals being so amazing and the music was so... The music was pretty good. Mm-hmm. You know, the... um, I think... Well, I don't actually know who the composer was but like i thought it was such a good theater experience just see it you know it was a long movie you gotta buckle up i like went to the bathroom like 18 times before i even went to the theater because i was so afraid that i have to go like you know i didn't want to have any reason to get out of my seat during the movie but i thought that it had a, a decent story and it just had a cast of characters that individually and many of them in in separate relationships was such a delight to watch that I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this, but I kind of agree with you though, Matt, this is like a middle, this is a middle of the pack movie mm-hmm. for me. Like maybe between 13 and 19 or something. I don't know. I need some website to come out with a ranking list 
yeah. help me again. You know, the ones that were like, choose which movie you want to watch right now. I need that. That's what I need yeah. to help rank this movie. But, you know, you know, there you have it. We've discussed Eternals. Matt had a hot take. I was not as overwhelmed with emotion with this movie as I am with a lot of other MCU films. So, I mean, that in itself might be a telltale sign. I don't know. But this was our peer review. I hope you enjoyed listening. Um, if you go out and see Returnals, please tell us your thoughts. Tweet at us at rxp underscore podcast or um, email us at rxp.podcasts at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your hot takes. And then hopefully soon Alex will watch this movie in three or four months whenever it's out on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> and he can tell you his takes then. With that, I hope you have a wonderful day. Thanks. Oh, and enjoy Shang-Chi on Disney+. Plus.